Well, good morning. I'd like to welcome you back to our final Anchored in the Word Morning Reflection for the week. And I want to mention to you that next week we're only going to do two Anchored in the Words. And the two Anchored in the Words are going to be the last two episodes for the year. So uh, just keep that in mind. I'm going to be taking some time off from uh, recording during the Christmas uh, and New Year's holiday season. It's been a busy year and thankful for God's many blessings. But I'd like to just take a little bit of time to uh, just spend time with family and um uh, just not not put these together and then lord willing next uh getting into january we'll start with um our third anchored in the word series and uh but 250 episodes total is what we've uh, put together for the year and i hope that you have found these to be an encouragement and i hope that you've uh you've learned a lot of new things you've been challenged in some ways and ultimately it's just been a daily encouragement of blessing so the text that we're looking at is ruth chapter 1 verses 8 through 18 and what I'd like us to do this, this, this morning is I'd like us to consider a couple of the details that we often miss, uh, give you some principles for us to think about, and then finally, final thoughts. So, Ruth chapter 1, verse 8. And Naomi said unto her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you might find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband, then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we'll return unto thee and unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb? Then in verse 13, he said, she says, It grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. They lifted up their voices and wept, and Oprah kissed her, 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 Oprah, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, and Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back under her people, and under her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to live thee, or to return from following thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death, part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Now, <clears throat> yesterday we looked at the details of the storyline. And I'd like us to think about a couple of details that we might overlook if we don't dig deep, deeply into these details and if we don't think about the cultural context that they're in. The first thing I'll mention is this. The Jewish men of that era were not explicitly forbidden from marrying Moabites. Now, they were uh, forbidden from marrying Canaanites. And uh, the issue, though, of the forbidding of marriage of an idolater was not so much because of ethnic grounds, but because of religious grounds. It would be the same way as saying you can't marry a Canaanite, saying you shouldn't marry an unbeliever. The reason for that is because this would be a marriage that was mixed between two religious viewpoints, which would create all kinds of contention and compromise and difficulty, especially with the raising of children. So it wasn't an ethnic issue as much as it was a religious issue. However, Moabites had a very sketchy history and, and, and ancestry. Moabites traced their ancestors back to Lot, Abraham's nephew, but it was through Lot's eldest daughter. I'll leave you uh, a few moments to, to ponder that situation. It's a very scandalous part of the story. And not only were, uh, was their, their ancestry back to Lot through his oldest daughter, 
but they were also known for their idolatry. In fact, when the nation of Israel was leaving the promise or was heading for the promised land, um, there was a, an infamous story about a Moabite king who was trying to get Balaam to curse the nation of Israel. And Balak was willing to give him money and Balak was a Moabite king. And the Moabite women went in and intermarried and involved themselves with the men and it created a lot of trouble. And so when we talk about the Moabites, they were a people, though they were related ancestrally to the, to the Jewish people on some level, um, they were not of the same faith. Yet they also, because they had a shared history in many ways, would have known a lot about Israel's God. But their lives had been affected by, we could say, the time that Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so there was a law in Deuteronomy 23 that forbid Moabites from being able to be a part of the congregation up to the 10th generation. An exclusion that would have left some stigmatization if you were to have married a Moabite. Or if you were a Moabite, would you really want to join into to, to being with these people because of that stigmatization? So there were distinctions, yet there were also shared stories of history. And the other point that I want to make is that a woman's security would have been bound up in her husband and her children. And so it's easy for us to look at Naomi and say, wow, she's a bitter woman. She doesn't trust God. How dare she do that? Well, the, the simple fact is that having lost her husband, having lost her children, she lost her security and she lost her future. And for their, those two girls, her daughter-in-laws, to come with her meant that they would be abandoning their culture and their future as well. And so her husband was her provider and her protector. He managed the inheritance that God gave them that fell to them. He was to cultivate it so that not only would he live on that land, but his children, his children's children. There was a lot of richness and joy that would have been associated with raising children and having, having your family live on their inheritance. And so the, the point of these people being widows and having no children and living outside of their home country made them extremely vulnerable. You could not think of a more potentially vulnerable individual than someone like a Naomi and most certainly someone like Ruth. But in this story, we see some very important principles that I want us to not forget about and think about as we go into the weekend. The first is this, compromise is always gonna take you further than you anticipated. Now, when Elimelech decided to take his wife and children into, into Moab, he did not originally intend to live there long-term. He most certainly didn't intend to die there and for his children to marry Moabite women and then for them to die there and for his wife to be left destitute in Moab. That was not his intention at all. Or that his wife would become bitter against God and ultimately she would tell her daughter-in-laws, go back to your gods and your idols. I mean, when he made those initial compromises, he had absolutely no idea that's where he'd end up. And that's the nature of compromise. When we compromise and when we push against the boundaries and the limits, it often pushes further and further and further. The second thing I'll mention is that God allowed the sinful choices of these people to play out. God didn't stop Elimelech from going to Moab. I mean, could God do it theoretically? The answer is, of course, he could. But God allowed it to take place. Yet at the same time, in his providence, he worked through those circumstances to bring good out of it. And that's an amazing thing. The third thing I'll mention is this. Even though Naomi became very bitter against God, God did not abandon her 
God didn't despise her. He wasn't harsh with her. God loved Naomi. And we see that he continued to work in her life even after these very terrible incidences. But we also see on the other side that her bitterness nearly led to a catastrophic con consequence. I mean, we, we talk about this woman Ruth as being a part of the story of redemption because she was directly in the lineage of Christ. What happens if Ruth did not uh, come to Boaz or leave Boaz and come back to Judah? What if she had listened to her mother-in-law because her mother-in-law was bitter? Well, she wouldn't have been a part of the story and it wouldn't have unfolded the way that it did. So what we see is that the bitterness of this woman actually had, had huge potential consequences, yet God intervened. And we can see when we look back at the whole story that the part that this little moment plays in God's redemptive plan, in fact, it leaves us overwhelmingly grateful that God is gracious. Ruth's decision was not based on what was easiest. It was based on what was right. And we see a very important principle. We have to learn to do what is right, even when it's not easy. And the last thing I want to mention under some of the principles demonstrated is that her decision was built on a loving commitment to Naomi and the conviction that God's people were the nation of Israel and the conviction that Naomi's God was the one true God. And so she desired to be united to these people because of her commitment to Naomi and her conviction about who these people belonged to and who their God was. And so we see those principles demonstrated. So you may say, well, well, Joel, what's the takeaway? What can I learn in, 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 as far as application? I, I understand principles, but how do I apply it myself personally? Well, let me leave you with some final thoughts. The first is this. We must make decisions based on principle, not comfort. Elimelech made a decision based on comfort, not principle. And guess what? It cost him. Ruth made a decision on principle rather than com uh, comfort. And what happened? She's a part of the redemptive story. We have to learn to keep our bitterness in check. Life is hard. Sometimes things don't work out the way that we intend. Sometimes we are left with difficult circumstances. And when those things happen, we've got to learn to rein in that tendency to bitterness against God. Third, we must be sobered by the potential consequences of bitterness. In Hebrews, it says that if a root of bitterness springs up, it can potentially defile many. And Naomi's bitterness had the potential. It did not do this, but it could have not just defiled Naomi, but Ruth. And it could have actually kept Ruth from making the right choice. Naomi was actually hindering Ruth and resisting Ruth in the right direction she desired to go because her bitterness was blinding her to the reality of what she should be doing. And then the last thing I'll say is this, we should never get over the depths of God's kindness. I'd like to encourage you as you go into the weekend, take a few minutes and say, God, thank you for how kind you are to me. Thank you for the blessings that I enjoy that I just take for granted. The good health, if I have it, the children that I have, if I have them, my spouse, if I'm married. Thankful, thank you for the opportunities that I've been given. There's a lot that we can thank God for in spite of all of our failures and all of our miseries. God is very good to us. And so, Lord willing, that's what we will think about as we go into the weekend. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and I hope we'll see many of you on Sunday. Bye now.